0: Well, thanks, Jody. It's, uh, it's a great psalm, isn't it? And uh, lovely to have it before us today uh, in this ongoing series we're calling uh, Stirrings of the Soul. We're going to be uh, exploring some parts of that psalm uh, today. So if you can have it open before you, that will be really helpful. I'm going to pray and ask that God would help us and uh, that we might be able to be encouraged and strengthened by what we hear today. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful bit of poetry, for this song that has been recorded for us. We thank you for the things it teaches of your heart and for the encouragement it gives us. I pray today that by your Holy Spirit, you would use this time to strengthen, encourage, and equip us. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. What's well, quite a large, uh, a large sum, there's quite a lot of, uh, lot of things in that sum and maybe some of you would like me to focus on the last couple of verses, anyone hear them as it's being read through? Uh, but I'm not going to do that today, I'm going to focus up here, this, this section uh, up here and I particularly want to start by thinking about uh, this one little phrase uh, that's uh, just before the section I want to focus on uh, in, verses, in verses 5 to 6, it says this, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Uh, It's a really beautiful picture. And for me, uh, when I was a kid, one of the things that I absolutely loved was to be tucked in Uh, Now some of you, my my sister was a doona person, and so there was never any tucking in with the doona, it was just kind of draped. But but for me, I'm like, I want blankets and sheets, and I want to be tucked in really firmly. I don't know, maybe it's some sort of hangover from when you wrap babies up or something. But when I was a kid, I absolutely loved it. I'm like, no, no, Dad, tuck me in firmer. I want to be totally tucked in. And the idea for me was, I'm totally secure when when I'm tucked in. And the words that are used here speak of that sort of idea, don't they? You hem me in, behind and before. And it's not kind of like, God, you've built fences that constrain me, it's that you've put comfort and safety and security around me, behind and before. Uh, I think that's a beautiful picture and a really encouraging one. And what I wanna see today, as we dive into this, this section of the psalm here today, I want you to get a sense of why it's good and how it's possible for God to hem us in. Does that make sense? And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing today. And so I-, I love the being tucked in thing. And yet I know there are some people who love to get off the grid. So you don't want to be hemmed in at all, do you? Uh, what's the Jeep what's the ad? Don't hold back. You've got to get out there. And so some of us don't want any hemming in. We, we want to just get out there and get as far away from the, from the beaten track uh, as we possibly could. And, and that idea of how far could you go is something that we'll be exploring uh, in the psalm here today. And so the the writer asks a, a question in verse seven that kind of starts us in on this little section that we'll focus on today. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where could I go? Where is it possible for me to depart to if I really wanted to get off the grid? And the answer is, uh, well, it's a bit of a problem given our God. Trying to get off the grid with our God is actually pretty difficult. Uh, because he's omnipresent, This is, don't worry, we're not going to spend the whole of the sermon learning words like that, but, but omnipresent, uh, he is all-present. What, what does that mean? Well, he's all-present. He's all-present by his Spirit. So the Spirit of God is distributed present throughout all of his creation. So God himself is omnipresent by his spirit. What does that mean? There's there's at least three things that his omnipresence will mean for us. Firstly, and this is kind of obvious if he's omnipresent, but I want to state it, there's no place where he is not. It's just the natural, it's, it's, it's the obvious thing that you'd have to say. So there's no place where he is not. That's good to know. Secondly, he doesn't just know what's happening in a place. Okay, so um, maybe some of you have got... um, uh, Has anyone got a little security camera at home? Anyone? No? Good, we're not that freaked out yet. That's good. Lots of people do though, don't they? In fact, I I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about a doorbell that you could ring. Uh, The doorbell had a camera in it and the camera would ring your phone... And so what you could do is you could just, your phone would ring maybe when you're at work, and you can see who's at your doorbell, and you can talk to them through your doorbell. Now, it's one thing to say that I can know what's happening at home when I'm at work, but I'm not present at home, am I? Even if I say, oh, I'm just upstairs having a shower, you can leave the package, please. Which would be very convenient, because who likes missing the package person when they come around? But you could know about something happening and not be present. That's not the case for God. God doesn't just know what's happening in his universe. He is present throughout his universe. Do you see the difference? So he's really there, and because of his great love, he really cares about the things that happen in the whole breadth, depth, length, and height of the universe that he has created. Thirdly... This is an interesting one. We'll explore a little bit on our way through this morning. God's present doesn't always equal all good. So we can think to ourselves, God's present everywhere, that's all good. And it's one of those strange things that we say all the time, which we almost never mean. you with me, church? So how are you going? All good, thanks. No. We just haven't talked enough for you to tell me about the things that aren't all good yet. Is that right? Nothing is ever all good except for the one who's all good, who is our God. And so his presence, though, doesn't always equal good for those who he is present with. And we're going to see that a little bit later. So how, God, how can God be everywhere? Well, Jesus uh, speaks of his father in John chapter 4 this way. He says, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. How is God present? He's present in his universe by his spirit. Spirit. So what that means for us is that we're never off the grid with God, okay? So there's no place that you can go where you'll be off the grid from God. That's, that's going to be encouraging and challenging at the same time. So let's, let's unpack that. Let's, uh, let's dive in and see what that means. So have a look with me uh, at verse 8. It says this, if I go, so the, the psalmist basically says, okay, if I can't be off the grid, let me just check with you, God, and let me see, if I went in, in all these different directions, what would happen? And so the first direction that's chosen is, if I go up to the heavens, what's the answer? You are there. Lovely, we've done that call and response confession, so you now you're in the vibe, that's good. Yes, you are there. Uh, when I think of the heavens, is what I think of, this is the first thing that pops into my head. Uh, space, the final frontier, yes? Anyone? No one. Okay, A couple of people. Greetings, uh, that's good. So, uh, so the heavens. So you think, what are the heavens like? Now a little bit later in the year, in March, we're gonna get Dr. Luke Barnes, who's a cosmologist and a physicist, to come and tell us about the heavens. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, but they are vast. So if you said, let's go to the heavens, they are vast. To give you an idea of how vast, I'm going to nerd it up a little bit this morning. Uh, Does anyone know what that is there? Sorry? It's it's one of the space satellite things. This is actually Voyager 1. Voyager 1 was sent in September 1977, and it's the furthest man-made object from Earth. The furthest man-made object from Earth. You think, okay, it's been going a little while. How, how long has it been going? What, what sort of speed does it travel at? Uh, it travels at 61,000 kilometres an hour. I can't imagine how fast that is, but that's pretty fast, isn't it? So how far away is it since it's been travelling that fast since 1977? Well, the answer is up there. I, I did the calculation this morning. It's, one, no, so it's 18.8 billion kilometres away. 18.8 billion. And it's been doing 61,000 kilometres an hour since 1977 to get there. So just begin to think of how far that is. It's a staggering distance, isn't it? And yet the scriptures tell us that when we go to the heavens, God is there. In all of its vast array, and we haven't even really travelled anywhere yet with Voyager. The heavens are truly amazing. We see this in the Old Testament. We see that God is a God who is present up high. So in the Old Testament, in Exodus, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you tablets of stone with the law and the commands I've written for their instruction. Basically, the highest place that they could find to go in the Old Testament, up at Mount Mount Sinai, God meets with them on top of that. He's there. He's present. And then in the reading that was brought to us uh, before, we see Jesus go up to a mountain. And when Jesus goes up to a mountain, he took Peter, James, and John with him. Incidentally, the the scriptures are never afraid to show that the disciples are a bit slow, are they? They go up to the mountain. He led them up a high mountain when they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. And then we have that little side bit about It would be good for us to make a tent, wouldn't it? Can we make a shelter? One for you and one for Moses and one for... I don't know what they're thinking. But then it says, Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when you go up high, you find that God meets on high with his people. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the heavens, you are there. Well, what about if I go the other direction, the psalmist asks. What if I go the other direction, not up but down? And so we see in verse 8b, he says, if I make my bed in the depths, then? Oh, yeah, that was really smooth. That was good, yes. If I make my bed in the depths? Great, thank you. Excellent. I want to talk about the depths. So I talked about height, height, amazing height. Uh, This is a submarine. Actually, it's a bathyscaphe. Its name is Trieste. And in 1960, it went to the deepest place on earth, the Challenger Deep in the Marianas Trench off, uh, off the coast of Guam. How deep? Well, in this incredible ball of steel that they made, they went down 10,911 metres. You think to yourself, oh, that's not that far, except it's up Narellon Road to the M4, from here. That's how far down they went under the water. So imagine a column of water that was that tall pressing down on that tiny little ball with those two men in it. It's truly extraordinary, isn't it? If I go to the depths, what does it say? You are there. Now, the Bible tells us of a man who went in a submersible vehicle. His name is Jonah. Jonah, it says, was swallowed by a large fish. I don't know any more than that, and neither do you, so don't speculate. But here's what he said from the belly of the fish. Amazingly interesting, I talked on Christmas Eve about reception. God has reception. God has reception in the belly of a fish under the water. That's pretty good, isn't it? So so here's Jonah, and and he cries out in in Jonah chapter 2. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and... He answered me, from the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. The psalmist takes it a step further in another psalm. He conceives of a deeper depth than water. Have a listen to this from Psalm 49, verses 14 to 15. Like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself, Salah. The extraordinary thing that we see, even in the Old Testament, is that even death isn't too far for God. God has reception in the belly of a fish under the water. God will redeem our life from the grave, even in the depths. God is there. So then he thinks, "Well, okay. Don't just think up. Don't just think down. What if I go a long way sideways? So if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, what would you say in response to that, church? That's right. You are there. Uh, We love to travel. Australians love to travel. We like going sideways." probably a little bit further than just a little bit, so I just want to go over the tip. Uh, Apparently, according to the statistics, at least from 2001, it's estimated that any time there are a million Australians overseas, which is why you will bump into them. (laughs) In India, in a pub in London, in, you know, up a mountain in France. Wherever it is, you will bump into an Australian, and you'll always hear the voice, won't you? Particularly if you've been out of Australia for a little while, you just go, is that really how we talk? We sound, anyway, yes, you've done it, haven't you? So we love to travel. We love to go sideways and think, how far could we go? This is a beautiful passage from Isaiah, and it talks about God thinking about the distant islands, and not just for a holiday. Have have a listen to what it says in Isaiah 66 here. I will set a sign among them. And I'll send some of those who survive to the nations and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They'll proclaim my glory among the nations and they will bring all your brothers from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? The distant islands aren't in the scriptures anyway, a holiday destination. They're a place to go for the glory of the Lord. And we see that in, uh, in Acts 1 as well, one of my favourite, favourite verses. It says in Acts 1, verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, if we want to go sideways, wherever we would want to go, God is already on mission there. God's already on mission there. He's already loving and calling and drawing those people to himself. Wherever well, we go sideways, God is there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So, what will his presence mean to me when I go sideways, when I go vertically, when I go down? What will his presence mean? It'll be something incredibly comforting for those who love him. I, I was um, visiting with a couple from our church the other day who've got a little, um, a little newborn and uh, one of my favourite things with tiny little newborns is this moment, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? I, I just love it. They, they instinctively want to close their hands around a hand. That's beautiful. And, and God calls us his children And so how as father would he like us to relate to him, to take his hand and to find in his hand the guidance that we need? It's a a beautiful picture here. And so it says here that your hand will guide me and hold me. And we see this in the Psalms, and and we see it time and time again in the story of Israel. In Psalm 78, uh, it says this in verses 53 and 72. He led them in safety. So that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. With upright heart, he tended them and guided them with a skillful hand. God himself is personally involved in the lives of his people, protecting them, saving them, drawing them uh, to himself. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit in John 16 in this way, and you'll hear an echo of this same language. Have a listen to this in John 16. I have much more to say to you, Jesus says, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not only speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So Jesus is saying, not only did God guide you in the Old Testament, he says, when I go, when I'm taken up to be with my Father, he will send the Spirit who will guide, comfort, and direct you. He will be with you. God guides and God secures those he loves. But what if I wanted to escape? Right, so that sounds pretty good. I, I like it. I want to sign up for that. I think uh, as Christians, we should find that immediately compelling, shouldn't we? we? We should respond to that and go, that sounds brilliant. But not everyone around us knows and loves our God, do they? And maybe some of you sitting here today are still trying to figure out how you will relate to God. And so you might think at times, well, what if I wanted to escape? What if I wanted to be off the record with God? Have a look at verses 11 and 12 with me. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day. For the darkness is as light to you. Now, I think this has an overwhelmingly positive sound to it. But I want to think with you for a second about the person who does actually want to pursue the idea of escape, who actually wants to be beyond the sight of God. And I want you to consider the fact that God has what I'm calling this morning holy night vision. Holy night vision. So I hope, you, I hope you get the halo on top of the, um, the guy there, that's, um, that's good. So, so the idea of night vision is it's this incredible technology which sucks up the little bits of light that are around, amplifies them, and gives you the ability to see in the dark, which is brilliant at some level, unless your aim is to be hidden, in which case, as far as you perceive, without night vision on, it really is dark, Right? and you go I can't see it. it's a bit like spiritually church it's a little bit like you know when you see kids you can't see me have you seen this the, the kids go if I cover my eyes you can't see me because it's now dark I, it's dark for me so it must be dark for you and you can't see me now we think that's kind of funny for children here's the thing here's the real thing It's terribly immature spiritually, isn't it? Isn't it? God, I'm pretending that you can't see me, so you can't see me. That's a highly unlikely scenario given the God that we've been speaking of, isn't it? Now, this gets a little terrifying if you have a look in Ezekiel. Have a listen to this passage uh, from Ezekiel 8. The people of God have gone astray. God has taken his promised people and sent them far away from the promised land. But a remnant remain, and this remnant is still in the land, but they're absolutely idolatrous. They're turning away from God. They're worshipping the stars. They're bowing down to foreign gods. And I want you to hear what God has to say. He, he taps his prophet Ezekiel on the shoulder and he says, I've got something to tell you. Have a listen to what he says. He said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the darkness? Each at the shrine of his own idol. They say the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Now that's a, it's actually pretty terrifying Because God is speaking to a man who's in modern-day Iraq about things that are happening at that time in Jerusalem. There's no carrier pigeons. And God's saying, I see it, and I'm going to tell you, my servant, what's happening in the darkness in Jerusalem. I think it's pretty scary. The flip side is seen in Isaiah The upside of the God who engages in the darkness. Have a listen. These are these beautiful Christmas verses, aren't they? Isaiah 9. Have a listen. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow, in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. See, now that's great, isn't it? So, in the darkness of our sin and our rebellion, God shines light. And for the people who are in darkness, seeing the light is absolutely revelatory. That, that, that's, that is the best thing that can possibly happen. God sees and God brings light. God sees in the darkness and he brings light to the darkness. That's encouraging and I think a little scary at the same time. So is it the same 3,000 years later? So... That's what the psalmist wrote. That's what the psalmist wrote, a psalm of David. We reckon David lived about 1,000 BC. So we're now, we're now 3,000 years away from this psalm. Isn't that an incredible thought? Incidentally, how, how many other 3,000-year-old psalms are still on the hit rotation, do you think? It, most of the music we create is forgotten in a moment, isn't it? There's this brilliant thing, which is the word of God, which stands forever, is what we're told. And here it is preserved for us 3,000 years later. Well, what do I want you to know from this incredible psalm? Well, if you're in the depths at the moment, the depths of maybe close to death, maybe sickness, maybe sorrow, maybe suffering, if you're in the depths, Jesus has been there. Jesus has been there. He knows what it is to suffer he knows what it is to lose those that he loves. And so I want you this morning, I want to encourage you to feel assured in the depths, Jesus is there. In the depths, Jesus is there. What about in the heavens? What about in the heavens? There's a great story told about uh, the first uh, American astronaut and he said as he went around the earth, and he just died recently, didn't he? Um, John Glenn, thank you. Well done, boys. Uh, John Glenn, he said when he was circling the earth, he said, I could feel the presence of God. In the heavens, Jesus is there now. Why should that matter to us? We should feel secure that the one who is higher than all things is for us, is for us. We should feel secure. What about the ends of the earth? What about the ends of the earth? Well, I was just talking to Maria, I think, from Delhi. I, I was in Delhi, um, I don't know, how many years ago now? 20 years ago? Anyway, a long time. Um, I was in Delhi, and I think I've told you before, but I was, I was in Delhi, I'm looking around, I was on my own, I'd left my travel companions, and I'm looking around, and I can see domes on the, on the horizon. I can see uh, donkeys, I can see... Um, and it was really early in the morning, and then I'm like, I mustn't have slept very well last night, because I reckon that's an elephant. And in the middle of the city, quite literally, there was an elephant walking up the street. I didn't have my camera on me, which I am so upset about. But anyway, I remember thinking to myself, we're not in Texas anymore. We're not, not in Kansas anymore, sorry. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not in my normal place. I'm in a foreign place. I am far, far away from where I normally live. And yet, on my own, in the back street of Delhi with an elephant, I was personally conscious of the presence of God. There's no, there's no need for us to feel alone in the sense of nobody knows and nobody cares. Although that's an incredibly compelling emotion, isn't it? Nobody knows and nobody cares. But here's the scripture, and it's telling us something deeply profound you will never be alone. You will never be alone. Jesus will be there. Jesus is already there. And so when we go to the ends of the earth, at some level, I want us to feel bold. So when I was in Tonga or Vanuatu on mission there, you could think to yourself, wow, I've hopped off a flight from Australia. I've got my Bible. I'm going to tell these people the important good news about Jesus. Now, it is very important, but guess what? I didn't bring Jesus with me in a little bag. He was already there. He was already on mission. And so when we go, when, it, when you go to work, when we're in our schools, we want to be thinking, I don't bring Jesus with me. He's already there. He's already there. He's already on mission. And so I want to encourage you to be bold. The one who rules on high is present with you and was there before you. Isn't that great? So I want you to feel bold. Bold. And when it feels dark, when it feels dark, I want you to know Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And so I want you to feel incredible comfort. The one who is with you is the light of the world. In whatever darkness you're traveling through, he is present and he is the light, the light that shines in the darkness. I want you to know the comfort of knowing that he is with you. And when you feel lost and you're not sure where to go, it is incredibly comforting to know this truth, that Jesus will guide you forever, will guide you, wants to guide and direct your life. You know, Jesus says, when I go, the comforter will come, the Holy Spirit, the counsellor will come, and he will direct you into all truth, is what he says. You can have in your heart the Holy Spirit dwelling, the person of God's Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. I find that incredibly comforting. I would love you to know, if you don't already know, I would love you to know his presence with you wherever you go. So the psalmist asks this question, and it'd be good for us to return to it, having heard what we've heard today. The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Have you got an answer from that, guys? Is there anywhere we can go? No, so the answer is, There is nowhere that we can go from his presence. And I want to apply it in two directions. Today, if you're here and you don't know God through his son Jesus Christ as your savior, I want to ask you just a little bit to be concerned. He knows and he sees. And whatever spiritual game you're playing with your hands over your eyes, you are not operating out of the sight of our God. What he wants you to do is to do exactly what we just practiced in our service before, is to confess our sins that he knows to repent and to come back to him, to know him for good and not for judgment. So if you're here today, I want you to be concerned, but I want you to turn that concern into a right response. Secondly, secondly, I want to speak to people here who've known and loved Jesus, maybe for a little while, maybe in some cases for a long, long time. I hope that you find in this psalm today great foundations for what you already know, that you can be confident that the living God is with you, He loves you, and He will never leave you. Be encouraged. It's not just a good idea, it's here. God chose to preserve it for 3,000 years for you so you could see why. So you could know for sure that it was true. Here's how Jesus is recorded as finishing his ministry in Matthew's gospel. I love these words. They're absolutely brilliant. Jesus said to them, I want you to hear how much Psalm 139 echoes through here. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here's what I want you to take home today, church. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the extraordinary revelation of yourself here. Father, you could be far and distant You could be cold and uninterested. There could be places of this universe that are beyond you. And yet, good Lord, we know all of those things are not true. Father, save us from the pride and the silliness of pretending that you can't see. Help us to turn from our sin. Help us to grasp hold of your hand Help those of us who are running long in loving and serving you to be deeply encouraged about the personal reality of your presence. Heavenly Father, where hearts here feel that you are far from them, may they be regrounded in your word today. Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit be at work, revealing your your presence, giving comfort and guidance and direction to our hearts. Heavenly Father, we ask that we might be on mission for you, that we might know you go before us, and that we might do so boldly and confidently in the week and the year ahead. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.